Hey, good afternoon, everyone. This is Richard Barron with the Election Insider Podcast. We've got a special guest today who I'll introduce in a moment. His name is Felix Sargent, and he is from Election Science. And I've got my co-host here, Gary Vaughn. He's with the uh, Daily Stock Picks podcast. He is reachable at Twitter at DailyStockPicks. No, DailyStockPicks3. So everyone share this, subscribe, and we'll get going here. Gary, uh, you were telling me you you hiked 26 miles this weekend. It's been so nice here, yeah. So I've got the the blisters to prove it. But yeah, I essentially just over at Kennesaw Mountain, if you guys are in uh, Atlanta, if you ever fly into the Atlanta airport, by the way, I think Kennesaw Mountain is like a half hour away. And you can hike it if you have a layover and just kind of head back. It's It's actually one of the best mountains close to Atlanta where you get, I think it's about a thousand feet of elevation change that you can get within just a couple of miles. I did, I think 3000 feet in elevation this weekend. So Shiva and I, we drove up into Georgia mountains just to look at, uh, some leaves, the, the changing leaves, but we stopped at the Montaluce winery up there. Georgia wine stinks. They, they basically import a lot of their grapes in from California. Uh, we had four wines on a wine tasting, and three of them were stinkers. <laughs> they just didn't taste good. But it was beautiful up there. Hey, a, so, a 250 batting average in baseball is pretty good. So, Well, that's, that's true. <laughs> All right. Uh, we have got Felix Sargent, as I said again, from Election Science. It is a nonprofit, right, Felix? Yep, we're a nonprofit 501c3. And so explain uh, or give us your bio first, and then uh, sure. we can move on from there. Sure. So, uh, obviously, Felix Sargent. Um, uh, the Center for Election Science is a nonprofit. It's basically a group of voting nerds who decided to actually go and get organized and, and try to implement some of the stuff that they were really nerding out about and trying to make it real in the world. Uh, I'm the chair of the board of the organization. I got involved about five years ago, literally on my wedding night. My cousin, like my, my now newly cousined cousin, uh, comes up to me and says, hey, I heard the Center for Election Science is looking for board members, and you're pretty into this stuff. Do you want to join? I was like, based on their website, I didn't think that they existed. Um, but uh, existed they did, and uh, I ended up uh, doing some amazing things and changing the voting methods in uh, Fargo, North Dakota, St. Louis, Missouri, as well as uh, we're on the ballot right now for November 8th in Seattle. And so if you're in the Seattle area, um, vote yes on Prop 1A, um, so absolute first thing on the ballot, which is exciting, uh, and uh, go to approval voting. That's for the municipal elections in the city of Seattle? Yeah, exactly. So mayor, uh, controller, uh, and city council, most importantly. Now, when, when you're on the ballot, what you mean is that it's just a vote to see if that will be implemented for the next election. Yeah, exactly. So uh, people, so it got really complicated. I can get, kind of go into the whole story. Um, but uh, effectively, there was some, a, a group of people out in, in Seattle who, who heard about us and said like, hey, the voting system that we have right now in Seattle and literally across the United States where you pick one candidate for, for any race sucks because very often you're not actually voting for your actual favorite you're voting for the lesser of two evils right um right. if you 
have if you're informed enough you know to to make a choice at all but what what that means is you're not able to actually give your full range of opinions and very often if there are a lot of candidates that actually look the same like if there are a lot of good candidates running then the most polarizing candidate, the most extreme candidate, the one who is least like everyone else, tends to win because they have a core base of support. That's exactly what you saw happen in the Republican elections where, where Trump was elected, right? All the other Republican candidates, kind of reasonable, like, you know, for, 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 for Republican politics, everyone could be like, yeah, sure. They all split the vote. Trump, you know, had a no, there's no one else like Trump. He ended up winning, and that's how he ended up uh, taking over the Republican Party. It's because people could only choose one. Uh, so our method, uh, the the one that the Center for Election Science, after years and years of research, uh, is called approval voting. And what you do, you pick all you like. That's it. No ranking, no rating, anything else like that. You like that candidate, rate them. You like that candidate, give them a tick. Like, you know, you can select every candidate but one if you wanted to. Shoot, you could select all of the candidates, but you know you wouldn't necessarily be influencing the election uh, if you did that. But the best thing about it, before we get into like the math of it, is that it works with existing voting machines, so you can implement it literally the next day. From because you uh, vote, from, you vote for yeah. more than one candidate, and you but you you can only you have to leave one blank. You said no, you don't have to. I mean. Yeah, because the thing is, so let's say you if you vote for none of them or all of them, you're not really creating a difference, right? Between right. so 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 like uh, mathematically, you know, voting for all of them or none of them kind of works out the same way, which is weird when you think about it, but also entirely reasonable. And you you put the this on the ballot. These are states that have initiative pet petition. Yeah, exactly. Right. So it doesn't work everywhere. You need to have home rule. And uh, these are specifically cities that have, uh, you know, have their own charters that can be amended. Okay. Yeah, I think Oregon, my home state, was the first state to do initiative petitions. Mm -hmm. But I remember and, and when I, when I lived like there, they, they had so many initiative, initiatives that would get on the ballot. It was crazy. You don't, oh, I live in San Francisco. It's terrible. <laughs> you don't rank... Um, like, you know, here's my first choice. Here's my second choice. You just pick whoever you like. Exactly. Exactly. And that simplicity is one of the reasons it's such an effective reform. And, uh, so there, there are two sides to that. One, most of the time, ranked choice voting isn't implemented primarily because, uh, the, you have to replace the voting machines. Uh, and you have to redesign the ballots. You need to do a ton of voter education. And there are lots of ways that when people are filling out the ballot, let's say you, you, you rank two people in the same place, that, that, that rank and every rank after it is thrown away in most, uh, in, in most elections. So let's say your first choice, you, you enable two people for these are my first choice. You didn't vote in that election just because you made a mistake. So it, it's um, the hanging, it's the electronic hanging it, chad version. Yeah. Is it yeah, exactly. hard to do a, a recount with ranked choice voting? I mean, I know you guys don't do ranked choice voting, but is is that a a, a downside to to RCV? Uh, doing a hand recount is extraordinarily difficult. Um, oftentimes, you know, you're you're putting it through a Scantron style machine, so you know the the actual mathematics of of of, of doing it is, is kind of very, you know, easy with computers. Um, if you trust computers in that scenario, if you're, if you're, uh, if you, if you have computers to be able to do that. Um, but it's, it's not, it's not impossible. Oftentimes you'll just like, you'll 
do pigeonhole pigeonholing, right? And so, um, it, you know, it, it's it's not it's not impossible. It just takes takes time. But that's kind of most hand counting anyway. Just kind of a side question, Felix. Do you are you have an accent? Am I detecting yeah. an accent? So, so uh, I'm British and Australian. I was born in Sydney, Australia. I grew up in the UK. And when I was 13 years old, I came to the United States. And I think that's wow. one of the reasons that I'm actually so fascinated with politics and how government works is because I had to relearn it. Um, and I had to really invest. I took like, you know, I went to high school. I took AP US history because I knew nothing, right? I knew I was starting from square one. And uh, so that's that's one of the reasons I really invested in it. So, uh, you know, uh, the, the country of immigrants, right? Yeah, oh, that's interesting. I, I kept thinking that doesn't sound like a Canadian accent, but I was not able to place it at all. So I yeah, guess, yeah, you got a mix between three English speaking countries there. So yeah. I was reading the, an article that's on your website, and it seems like the majority of Republicans and independent voters, it says in that article that the majority feel that votes don't reflect the will of the people in those two groups. And it's like, I think in the Republican, it was like close to 70% and it was in the fifties amongst independents, maybe 59%. And then it was only a third of Democrats that feel that they don't, that the votes don't reflect the will of the people. How, why is there such disparity? Uh, I think that the the reason there's so much disparity is because right now the voting method we have is very random, right? Um, the more people that run, the less likelihood the best person wins, right? Uh, parties exist to eliminate choice for people in, in elections, right? You have primaries where it's kind of a free-for-all, but then the general election is kind of like, you know, a good old toe-to-toe. And toe-to-toe elections, you know, one v one uh that's pretty easy to decide you know who who the quote unquote majority winner is in in that scenario but you know when you vote for one candidate and there are you know 10 candidates running uh the likelihood that you're going to end up with someone that you're satisfied with is very low um so yeah it's 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 an entirely reasonable response to uh, a broken system well and and to that question have you approached either the democratic or the Republican Party, and how do they feel about this? Yeah, the 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 hard thing is the Democrat and the Republican Party. There's talking to the right people. Like, yes, there, there there's not like one person who can just be like, yeah, great. And and even if maybe you know, like even if you get say Nancy Pelosi on the phone, <laughs> there are so many other things that are going on. Um, it's difficult to have them understand why it's a priority. And oftentimes you're like parties are composed of the people who have succeeded under that method, right? Um, I think a large part of uh you know what our strategy is is actually talking to the people who lost unfairly. Um, you know, if there was an election in California in uh where someone won with twenty percent of the vote, like they won that election, they only got twenty percent. Um and uh you know, as we're doing more and more research, we're finding that there's, you know, around two, like one third of all elections end up with someone winning with less than what their quota would be. Meaning like sometimes there are elections where it's like, hey, there are, you know, 10 people running, but there are three seats open, right? And so if there are three seats open, you need to get uh, at least 25% of the vote in order to be able to actually like get a seat. So that's your quota. If you get less than that, 
then there was vote splitting. If you get less than that and win, then there was vote splitting involved. Okay, so um, <laughs> I, I, that was a term I was wondering about. So I, I was thinking about that. There was an election here in, in Fulton County, and it was like the whole country was watching it. It was District District 5, you know, Congressional District 6, and there were about 20 candidates. Um, John Ossoff and Karen Handel ended up going to the runoff. But John Ossoff got 47% of the vote in the first election. I think Karen Handel, she got 19%, and the other 18 candidates split the remainder of the vote. Now, in the runoff, it ended up just being Handel versus Ossoff. Ossoff still got 47% of the vote, and so he didn't increase. And 600,000 more people voted in the runoff than in the, the first election. But so how would approval voting have changed or I guess affected that initial race? And I, is there there's really no advantage in a, in a two person runoff to approval voting, is there? Nope, nope, absolutely not. Um, I, I will say so we did polling about like what, how people feel about generals versus primaries. Um, and so still in, so say, for example, in Seattle and also uh, St. Louis, you still have a primary, which is an approval primary, and then the top two winners go to a general. And what's really good about that is it allows people to dive deep into those candidates. The uh, and, and so people can really make their decisions. The interesting thing, though, is under an approval voting primary, the top two candidates that go ahead are going to be very similar to each other. They're not going to be these binary polarizing opposites. They're going to be very close to each other because both of each of those candidates have high levels of approval. Right. And most of the time, that means that they can appeal to a broad middle as opposed to extreme bases. So, uh, for example, in uh you know, I, I don't know the details of of that race of that Georgia race. Uh, I do have it. I do have it up. I can like look at the statistics. So yeah, Ossoff had forty eight percent. Handel had nineteen point eight percent. Then Bob Gray had ten point eight percent. And then and then there's more like eight percent, eight percent. And then there's like below one percent down from there. The uh, you know, I, I'm sure what you're seeing here is 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 a missing middle, right? Like uh, I'm sure Ossoff was very, very was very very different from Handel. And there might have been a candidate in the middle, whether Democrat or Republican, that might have actually gotten a lot of support um, because they they were able to appease both Democrats and Republicans with nuanced policies and didn't necessarily play into those party politics. But, you know, the the whole reason those parties exist is to say, like, this is our chosen candidate. You want to go for this one, like edge them over there. Right. And so really those uh, endorsements. Uh, are are a whole lot of backroom politics that help people say like, well, I'm not going to throw away my, away my vote. I'm going to support what the party wants me to support. Well, is, instead, isn't uh, that how Biden won his when? Um, oh yeah, the national election. How what's her name? Warren didn't back out, and so Warren and Sanders split that vote. Yeah, um, exactly. Yeah. Yeah, and then like very often, you know, the party will hang back for a long time to figure out kind of like which ways the wind the wind is blowing. Um, you know, and uh, you know, and that's kind of what happened with with Trump, where like the party the party didn't know what it was doing, and and then Trump kind of like got all those really strong numbers, and they're kind of like, well, okay, I guess that's our guy, right? Um, whereas in the Democratic Party, there's a lot more kind of like insider politics, um, you know. So you know, as far as 
should the Center for Election Science work with the parties? We would love to. We would love to. Um, the the hard part is, you know, we're we're in St. Louis, you know, Fargo, and maybe when we get Seattle, then then there'll be a little bit more willingness to to, to play. But right now, we're very focused at the the, the state and the local level. Uh, at the same time, what we've done in Missouri has been absolutely amazing. Um, you know, Missouri politics. You know, we're 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 gearing up for a campaign there. Um, and, uh, you know, for, for the whole state and, uh, you know, there's, there's a reckoning coming and people, people love approval voting. So when it was on the ballot in, in, uh, St. Louis, I think it passed with something like 65, 64% of the vote, wow. uh, huge, huge. And then the, uh, city government, uh, the, 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 the sitting, uh, council members, aldermen, um, really didn't like it. And so they put something on the ballot to 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 try to remove it and so then we we made a counter proposal um and that ended up passing with something like 68 percent of the vote to defend proper r to uh, uh, property to make sure that it was um something that they couldn't just remove um so it was part I don't of the think sunday the alcohol sales here in georgia passed with that majority <laughs> <laughs> right well the amazing thing is it makes sense to people um it so uh one of the crazy things is in seattle right now um we we got it we, we collected signatures you know we we organized a movement and we got it on the ballot rank the rcv folks fairvote washington reached out to uh the the city council and said hey we've been trying trying quote unquote to to get this going for for years and these guys just walk in here and and, and get it on the ballot i want you to put ranked choice voting on the ballot as well and so now the ballot is structured of do you want voting reform yes no and then if you want voting reform do you want prop 1a which is approval voting or prop 1b which is ranked choice voting and the interesting thing is even if you vote no your vote for approval voting or ranked choice voting still counts. So uh, it kind of is now approval voting for what voting method you would like. It's very, <laughs> very strange. Um, and, and really, in a lot of ways, unscrupulous as well by the, by the council to reject the will of the people and the people who gathered all those signatures to say like, well, we're going to tip the scales this way. Well, we cut, we cut, yeah. Rick and I so talk I guess- about that a lot, that the people in power kind of like to stay in power and, uh, the will you of the could conceivably, you could conceivably in a, I don't know, five person race end up. I mean, you could have everyone tie, right? And if everybody uh, voted for everybody, yeah, but I mean, I mean, the you know, chances of that are are almost yeah. You nil, could do that right? also in choose one, you know, right? Like, and in fact, in fact, draws are far more likely in choose one because you have. You know, the, like, why do you think people win with like, you know, fifty-five point one yeah. or sorry, fifty point one percent? You know, um, so uh, but you could have concern. you could have multiple candidates above fifty percent, then correct? Yeah, exactly. So, um, and that's something that we've seen pretty commonly. In fact, I've just put together a website called uh, Approval Vote. So here, let me just type that into the chat, um, where you can see all the approval voting elections that have happened. Um, and and then there's there's a corresponding one called ranked.vote, which uh, is mine is a kind of a copy of uh, with permission uh, that has all the ranked choice voting elections. Um, but yeah, actually, this digs into a really, really important consideration. So uh, ranked choice voting supporters will say ranked choice voting guarantees a majority. 
That is a complete lie. Because it guarantees that major majority by throwing out all, all the candidates through various different rounds. And so, yeah, okay, this person will end up with 50% of the vote, but that's simply because you stop counting at 50% of the vote. You could also say, you know, you could throw out the last person. You say, oh, like, you know, you every person under ranked choice voting, you always win with 100% of the vote because you threw out all the other candidates at the votes. So there is literally no voting method that will guarantee a majority. And the reason is because majorities don't always exist, right? You know, they're, they're, but like, uh, so let's see, I think under, yeah, so the North Dakota City Commissioner race um, that was held in uh, 2022, uh, uh, Denise Kolpak and Dave um, Pipercorn, um, they won with 42% and 38% respectively. That's not a majority. They are on a city council, so that's like less of a problem. There are, you know, other candidates on that city council have won with majorities. Um, but what it means is that every candidate has their own individual level of support, right? It means that like, you know, Denise Kolpak, 42.7% of people in Fargo, North Dakota who voted, voted, you know, support Kolpak. And it's very clear, both as a candidate and as a voter, how much support that person has. Now, they don't always need to come from the same place, but it's nice to just have that be that simple. Whereas, again, the results with ranked choice voting, you, you don't know how much support someone actually has. You just have that first place support. And, okay, so this has to be state that it has an initiative petition, and then the cities have to also have home rule. Now, I noticed yeah. on the map... There is, of course, nothing in the South. Is there no initiative petition in the South where, I mean, <laughs> I mean the South is not, knowing as be, is not known for being progressive in the first place, but. Especially with voting. <laughs> is that, yeah. Is that, so it'll be really hard to penetrate the South with this, correct? Yeah. Um, I, I, I think we're not. We're not necessarily. We would we would love to go there because I think that um, you know those are places most in need of of, of good democracy. Um, I don't necessarily want to put my foot in my mouth about how Southern democracy works or doesn't work, especially as an immigrant to this country. Right. Um, but you know, as as far as the Center for Election Science is concerned, um, you know, we're really uh, interested in in in, in the Midwest. Uh, and trying to do it there. And, and, you know, anyone who wants to try to run a campaign is really welcome to. One of the places actually we're doing incredibly well is Utah. Um, so uh, so the Utah Republicans were very strongly interested in uh, putting on uh, ranked choice voting. And then the the union for the city clerks uh, mm -hmm. all, across, all across Utah were like, no, <laughs> like, please don't do that to us. Like, we don't, we don't want to run that. We like, we think, we think it's such a terrible system. Um, and uh, they endorsed approval voting, and they said, like, look, you know, we they, they effectively killed the bill that was going to go forward, and they said, you know, we really want to put our support um, behind approval voting, and then we've got an amazing team uh, there that are uh, are gearing up. I, need to check in with them and see see how they're doing but utah approves it's an amazing organization uh that uh you know are are, are going to be getting it on the ballot i i don't know if they're going to be going statewide or if they're going to do somewhere local at first but you know we also do have 
a strong ability for us to go through legislatures as well. well that's um, what I was going to ask. Is yeah. that, that's a way you could get into the South is through legislative means. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think that, you know, so much of what we're doing is also doing doing the education and trying to make sure more people are aware of, you know, who we are, that this voting method exists, that it's supported, it's well documented, it's used in other places across the United States. You know, we receive a lot of we 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 were originally hoping that the the fair vote people, uh, the main supporters behind ranked choice voting, um, would be allies in this, and I think that they're seeing what we're doing as an attack on on their their work. Uh, so you know, it, it's Sometimes when we go into places, people come back with like, oh, well, but what about ranked choice voting? And we're kind of like, well, if you wanted ranked choice voting, please go do ranked choice voting. But, you know, we're easier to implement. We're simpler to understand. You know, we have, we, we, we win with these incredibly oversized majorities when we're implemented. And, you know, we've, you know, it's, it's literally never been repealed. I mean, you know, it's, well, it has, it's first implemented in 2018. So that's kind of a cheap shot. But like, uh, you know, we we see a really strong future for for approval voting. It's just more people need to hear about it. So one of the reasons I'm well, here. and it seems like from what I read too, uh, most Republicans when they're polled are in favor of approval voting. Once when you explain it to them, have you have people looked specifically at Trumplicans when and are they in favor of it, or is it just essentially self-identified Republicans as a whole? We we haven't tried to like break that down. Um, most of the time, also, you know, I think if you are a like a, a Trump Republican, you know, you're you're so focused on one particular candidate that you're not necessarily you might you may not necessarily be thinking about what's best for democracy. Mm, that's true. If, if I can read in between the lines, there. Um, and and are there racial differences or gen gender differences in the approval of of a of approval voting not from my understanding of the research uh, again i'm not i'm not our head of research um but uh the i think that they're like it's so simple that it's not really something that it, that divides people i think a lot of that kind of divisiveness comes from how things are distorted and represented um whereas approval voting is literally so simple it's kind of like yeah would you know like would you would you like to have as many choices as you would like um as opposed to it devolving. I think one of the things that's really interesting about it, though, is that it removes the question of electability, right? So one of the main barriers to uh, candidates of, uh, you know, minority candidates, candidates of color, people of, uh, you know, like, uh, who identify as women or don't identify as, as white male, I guess, um, often are considered unelectable, right? And or, or like, yeah, oh, I like them. I like their, their personalities, but I don't want to throw away my vote. Right. And so when you have and, and that's 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 also a lot of what was happening in in St. Louis, where uh, the the primary contender to uh, the St. Louis mayor position was Lewis Reed, um, who, to be fair, like, you know, black male Africa, I'm sorry like black male candidate who uh, was also on the board of aldermen. He was the head of the board of aldermen. Um, but uh you know, and like St. Louis had this big, long history of having elections where there'd be a lot of black candidates and one white candidate and the white candidate would win because uh, because of of that vote splitting that would occur there. Um, and then to I like Jones that was, term vote splitting. 
uh, yeah. versus you know you the approval voting you can vote for for more than one candidate you might have i mean the concept is is cool because you you get actually get what how cuz there's something in here that i read where people don't feel it reflects the will of the people but with approval voting you're voting for everyone who you would like to see win Whereas in what you call vote splitting, it's either one or the other. And so people just get eliminated. So well, I and, like that term vote splitting. And Rick, I lo- I'm looking at approval.vote specifically on that St. Louis uh, mayor race. And the, the stat that I really like is there's an average of 1.6 approvals per ballot. And, and I got to yeah. tell you, on average, 1.6, if people are picking two people, that means they're okay with two people representing them and they don't feel like they lost if they just chose one. Yeah. So I guess it, it sends more, more moderate candidates are going to do better with multiple. And that's, so this would work really good in those jungle primaries where everyone from both parties is put right into it. And so if you could couple this with, with where the state's, also went to jungle primaries. It's just Louisiana and California that do that, right? Yeah, we're really good friends with uh, the Open Primaries team. Um, They they have been really great supporters of of the work that we've done. Um, And uh, so I think in... Oh, I don't want to get this wrong. I I believe in Fargo, um, they made it so it was nonpartisan primaries. Um, And I think also in in St. Louis, they, they didn't necessarily differentiate between whether they were Democratic or, or Republican, where, where previously they had they, they, they had the traditional system where there would be a Republican primary and a Democratic primary. The Democratic primary would be the fork, foregone winner for, for that, and then the general would just be kind of a, a, a toss-up. Um, uh, sorry, not a toss-up, but like it would be you know a shoe-in for, for the Democratic candidate. Um, but yeah, when you like as I said before, parties exist to limit choice, right? They make it so that the you know the strongest of that particular base will go into the into the round. But that that's the strongest Democratic candidate might not necessarily be the strongest overall candidate. And so uh, you know parties can you know parties are doing the best with the rules that they have, um, but that doesn't mean that the rules shouldn't change because they're broken. And. So do you find when you talk to party people that they do they would they are they okay with getting rid of like primary elections? I mean, my main problem with primaries is that I've told Gary this before. They you usually uh, get candidates in the general that are more extreme because people don't vote in the primaries. Mm -hmm. And yeah, so they, this method doesn't necessarily percentage. this Sorry. method doesn't necessarily get rid of the 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 primary, right? So uh, in in Fargo, there there's no primary um, anymore, uh, and I think that they didn't do it because it was like it was already non nonpartisan races in the first place. Um, the but in St. Louis, they specifically wanted to keep their their primary general system, but you know they just go head to head at the you know at the end of that. The, um, you know, the way that the, honestly, we don't really talk to that many party people, or at least, you know, when we were doing the St. Louis campaign, the Democratic Party was 
was against it, but primarily because they feel that they would lose, you know, lose control. Because you know, in in St. Louis, the Democratic Party picked who would win, right? They they were the movers and shakers, and there have been, you know, and in Seattle especially, you know, we've had conversations. This this may have not been a party person, so I don't necessarily want to imperil them, but like, you know, there's no need to kiss the ring, right? In 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 that scenario where where you have approval voting um and and you know even when we're running our campaigns you know we're saying like oh well you know you need to kiss the ring in order to be able to like get this on the ballot or you know get our support and you know I, that's politics right like that's I, i'm we're we're not surprised um and you know uh, most of the time you know it's just about having the conversation and being nice and, and being respectful. But like, you know, people who really want to manipulate power, you know, in spite of people's preferences, I think is, is really, you know, it's another word for corruption. Right. So, yeah. um, you know, I'm, I'm not a fan of it. Um, at the same time, like, you know, I, that, that is politics. There will always be, politics in, in in politics it's, it's the very nature of the game but i think when it comes to voting and how people vote and how people are able to express their opinions um you know you should have uh as few barriers to entry as as possible in so much as like you know people are still able to make reasonable decisions right well and i really like this uh fargo um city commissioner i've just been kind of i've been geeking out on approval oh, vote but this has um, 15 candidates, and there was yeah. an average of 3.1 approvals per ballot. So, there are two seats open, just it, to be to be fair. But it open. But in my mind, that opens up the possibility. I mean, we all know Citizens United brought money into elections. Um, I think this may, you know, if if we were to get something like this, this may kind of even it out. And again, the Supreme Court. Kind of rule that hey, corporations are okay to to put money into it, but this almost evens the playing field. I think it diminishes yeah. the the I guess the impact of money, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're saying? I, I well, I, I, that's a question for Felix. I think. Yeah, I've been. I I, I don't want to like affirm or deny anything there the the main the main thing is like like so one of the other claims that we hear a lot in 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 voting reform is like oh it'll make elections less mudslingy right and like will it probably not right like if 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 you're going to have a jerk candidate who's going to be a jerk to everyone the voting method you have doesn't necessarily narrow down whether that person will be a jerk or not um and the question of like you know money and politics like you know people want to spend spend their money and their advertising dollars and 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 go out there no yeah they will spend the money they'll spend all the money they get to 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 win but at the end of the day does that change how people how how people vote and i think that there is you know ultimately you need a certain amount of money to be able to get your message out and it needs to be able to resonate with people and if you don't have that money then you can't play um and you know that's where seattle's democracy dollars are an incredible change in in how democracy works and i think if you want to talk about money and politics democracy dollars are a great solution to that specific problem it needs to be paired with a reform like approval voting or else you have you know 15 candidates running you can only pick one the vote splits every which way and a random candidate wins which is exactly what we saw in seattle um but as far as like does approval voting solve money in politics 
I, I, I just don't think that that's the problem it's trying to fix. Um, and you know, it if you want to fix that problem, there are different ways to do it. You know, I guess, I guess it might be a side effect. Um, well, yeah, yeah, it, 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 you know, it'll make it, it'll make the game fair. Um, but it doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, people won't, you know, like, so, so one of the studies that I saw was that you can be, if you're an unpopular candidate and you spend a crap ton of money, you're still an unpopular candidate at the end of the day, right? So approval voting might, might make it so when it's between two popular candidates, one has more money, then that person might win. But they're still popular, right? And I think that's right. the most important thing. And that's what approval voting really focuses on, is that the most popular candidate wins. Well, Felix, I, sorry, I've got a hard stop today because I've got a vocal lesson at School of Rock, which is a present from my girlfriend. So no uh, this is probably, I think, my third lesson today. So, And I'm in the adult band now at the School of Rock. But um, so I've got to run to that. This was actually really interesting, uh, to, not only to read about it at electionscience.org, but just to hear Felix uh, tell us about it. And he's at Felix Sargent, which is S-A-R-G-E-N-T. Oh, no, let's not do that one. Let's, uh, yeah, uh, oh, sorry, Felix Sargent on Twitter. Yeah, and if you want to send me an email, it's felix at electionscience.org. Feel free. Yeah, this is... Uh, Felix, you I'm, got a new fanboy in me. I'm totally, <laughs> geeking, thank I'm you totally so much. geeking out on this stuff. Great. Well, I mean, you know, here's the thing. There are so many places where we can launch campaigns. Um, the big thing that we, we need right now, so if we get like the main thing we're limited on right now is funding. You know, we need funding to get out the message. Once we get out the message and we have that funding secured, we can go state by state. You know, we honestly believe that in the next 10 years, we can have approval voting in the majority of states. And you're, right? a, non, you're a nonprofit, right? We're a nonprofit. We have a 501c4 that handles direct advocacy, so that does necessarily exist and needs to exist. Um, so if, if if you want the tax deduction, you know, give it to the C3. If you don't want it, give it to the C4. Um, you know, call us. Have you, have um, you tried yeah. Center for Tech and Civic Life? Um, I would love an introduction. Oh, okay, I'll I'll get you some contact info. Okay. For that. Okay. This is Election Insider Podcast. Uh, thank you, Felix, for joining Gary and I today. Gary uh, has his podcast, Daily Stock Picks. And I guess this is us signing off. We will see you uh, later, everyone. All right. Bye-bye.